Let's start the show. Okay, what's your joke? We don't have a joke. Let's go. The cat fell. That was a joke, apparently. The cat yeah. fell. The end. Okay, let's go. Move on. Yeah, okay. Uh, Magical crypto. And we're still here with me, Will Panda, and the panda in the back. Yay. And um, Ricardo still playing with his phone. Yay. Because he doesn't care about this episode at all. And I don't. <laughs> Charlie Lee, um, you got something else to show for us today? Maybe. Show us something. <laughs> I'll show you my uh, Rubik's Cube. <laughs> okay, no. Okay, moving on to Samsung. Samsung Mao. I have a BTCC poker chip to show. Yes, and that's Samsung Mao. This is how we measure success. I'll solve my Rubik's Cube while you're talking. I'll measure things whilst we're talking. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange that you have that in your uh, hotel room. I don't want to know what you're measuring. measuring. Well, he was measuring the viability of the uh, crypto steel. Of the, <laughs> yes, of the crypto steel capsule. Duh. <laughs> if you don't understand this joke, Go watch our previous episode. Episode 31. Yes, this is episode 32. And uh, also thank you for to our sponsor, Bitsy. And here's Ricardo with another great... Great. Advertisement. Bitsy is the exchange that upgrades your trades. Join Bitsy, the only exchange that supports... Monero Futures 2.0! Buy and sell... Monero! With eight fiat currencies... Trade Monero Futures 2.0. Convert your profits on the spot, all in one place. Sign up, log in, trade Monero Futures 2.0. Only on Bitsy. Thank you, Ricardo. So, um, a while ago, there was um, an announcement that the UK's FCA seeks to extend AML regulations to publication of open source software. I can imagine that uh, some people here have some strong feelings and opinions about that. I mean, how, how, how silly is that? How stupid is it? How can, are they going to do that? It's unenforceable. How do you regulate open source? No, it's unenforceable. It's crazy. You put Ricardo in jail. I mean, yeah, already, and it's still unenforceable. Yeah. I agree. I think it's, I think they should try to make it a thing. And then see how they enforce it. The best way to prove something doesn't work is to roll it out. But what I wonder is, is it something then for people who live and work in the, in the UK, I guess? Well, then it can get pretty dark. I mean, you could arrest people in the UK, theoretically. Yeah. Okay. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense for uh, open source stuff to do AML. It doesn't make sense. I, I think that the... The thing that regulators are struggling with is um, 
for the longest time, they've been able to palm the responsibility of, uh, of doing any sort of um, law enforcement, financial law enforcement off onto banks and onto like financial processes of any sort. And now suddenly that whole paradigm shifted and you've just got software. And they're like, well, how do we continue to palm the responsibility of uh, law enforcement agencies off onto companies? But you can't. So, you know, maybe what we can do is palm it off onto like Joe, the C++ developer, which is meaningless. Well, what if the developer is anonymous? Mm, that too. And what if the code is not even like, you know, sort of like trivially available on GitHub, you know, so yeah. all things pointless. Well, it's either pointless or it gets really, really dark. Yeah. Else we're all using prison wallets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is going to be a running joke for a while now. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so uh, moving on. Ethereum 2.0. So um, there have been changes to Ethereum 2.0, even though um, Vitalik said back in January, 30th of January, research for 2.0 is 2.0 is basically is actually basically finished now. Testers coming in a couple of months, as I've been told, and then a couple of days ago, well, three weeks ago. Um, they started changing around some stuff. Um, so the, the biggest change was um, that they limited the amount of shards from uh, 1,024 to 64, which is a big change. So to achieve a, a similar scalability as the previous proposal, target chart block sizes are being increased eight times from 16 uh, KB to 128 KB. This provides a system with greater than one um, megabyte per second of data availability. Data availability. Blah blah blah. So, um, when is Ethereum 2.0 going to launch? Going to be finalized? Why are you asking us? I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, I'm thinking why. Like. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's 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 late here. I'm tired. You can see my eyes are getting smaller. So it's it's almost bedtime for me. <sighs> well, I think Grubles pointed out that with this one megabytes a second, we're getting into gigameg territory. Their chain is just going to get massively bloated, and again, no one's going to be able to run it. Yeah. So it says 600 megabytes per for every 10 minutes. So basically, it says 600 megabyte blocks if you compare it to Bitcoin. Yeah, but I thought the whole point of sharding is that you're not storing all of that on on a single node. I mean, yes. So, so I mean that they like overall the collective amount of data will get bloated, but on an individual node basis, it shouldn't be. Presumably, if I mean, I yeah, like I think that's the that's half the point, but. That's the plan, at least. Yeah. Ideal, ideally. That was the plan, yes. But if you have 128 uh, kilobyte, um, what, what's the block time? 50 seconds. It's still gonna run up quite quite high. I thought it was like 15 seconds, right? Yeah. I just like their their intention to scale up the number of shards over 10 years part, because that kind of implies. There won't be an Ethereum 3.0 in 
three years. Well, they've been working on it so long for now, so... Yeah. Does this does this mean that there's going to be a new difficulty bomb, like, in three months? No, they, are, they already froze it now again, huh? right? They pushed it back, right? Yeah. What's the point of a difficulty bomb if you're going to just keep pushing it back? I mean, that seems a little... It's the idea behind it. It's like my alarm clock. I always snooze it when it, when it goes off. So they'll build a snooze button for the difficulty bomb. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what they're doing, right? They're snoozing it until they're ready to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> but they're never ready to wake up, so... They've been sleeping so long. Yeah. I mean, that's all they do is party. As you can see on the DEF CON videos, they party hard and dance hard. Yep. Okay, so uh, no other comments about Ethereum 2.0. Okay. Should we party hard and dance hard at MCC 2020? I interpretive dance. Interpretive dance will be our our claim to fame. So um, I'm I'm gonna put on sexy. I'm sexy and I know it. And Ricardo's gonna come on. Yeah. And then it's gonna go crazy. It's the way it's gonna happen. Um. And okay. Questions from the fans. And what's the biggest hurdle for Bitcoin that needs to be overcome now? Is it privacy? Is it easy to use? Is it awareness? Is it scams? That's an interesting question. Privacy is going to be a big fight. That's, that is going to be an interesting, interesting one. Well, there are some people that think uh, we'll never have it. So then it's not the biggest hurdle because we cannot overcome it. Well, it's to be seen. I don't think we've really seen anyone pushing hard for it or advocating it seriously. You're saying we'll never have it on Bitcoin, like... First layer, base layer. Yeah, that's what people are saying. Possible. I, I, I can yeah. see that. But but people will always want to move towards more financial privacy. So it will happen. Like depends on where where it happens. Maybe after people get burnt a bunch of times, they will. Um, I think just people aren't getting burnt enough. I th- I th- the major concern with the privacy thing is just uh, that you won't have institutions, institutional players anymore because you no. Know, uh, Bitcoin will get listed, blah, blah, blah. I, I actually th- still think the ease of use um, is, is one of the major issues. Although um, I talked about this recently, I wasn't at Lightning Conference, um, but Aaron van Wurden was, and he said that the, like some really cool, stu- cool stuff came out of that. Um, like wallets that you can use uh, Bitcoin and Lightning at the same time. Um, without even like having to switch anything, just uh, it, it basically recognizes the, the QR code and uh, sends it from the right wallet. Um, so the ease of use is, is really something that I, I've seen improve a lot the last two years, I think, well, last year, last two years. Um, but that's really was really necessary as well, in my opinion. I, I've seen ease of use improve for. Uh, people who are already familiar with how things work, I've not seen ease of use improve for um, newcomers into the space. It is still very clunky to use. And there's lots of unfamiliar things. Did you use uh, any new uh, lightning walls recently? I have, yeah. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's, uh, that, that it's not improving. Um, it's just it is improving very slowly. I do not feel like there is a UX first approach being taken by pretty much anyone. I think we're getting better. It just takes a lot of time. And yeah. And UX is not something that engineers are 
particularly focused on, especially right. I think in, in this space. And it, we are still very engineer driven as a as a whole and that's not a bad thing i mean it's the right time for it it's not just that it's engineer driven it's also engineer and security driven which is yeah. kind of like a double whammy so yeah. a lot of the guys are focused on making sure the crypto stuff is working nothing is broken no one's losing money and even from usability that's like a much further step away from ease of use for grandma sure well security and ease of use is like on on, on the opposite spectrum in most cases yeah so it's kind of tough, right? But I would say we're getting there. It's tough to find a right compromise. Yeah. For Blockstream Green, we're working on that. So we do have a UX designer that is actively trying to make it easier for beginners to use. Really? What, what product was that again? Purple. Uh, Blockstream Green. Sorry, by which company? By Blockstream. Here's the logo, Blockstream <laughs> Green. Um, <laughs> but also Square Crypto is hiring a designer too to work on some of these problems. Things are, I agree with Rick, things are, it's slow, but we're slowly getting there, making it more easy for people. But yeah, it's tough to like, like for example, Lightning, right? The custodial Lightning wallets are so much simpler to use than the non-custodial ones. Yeah. Right. The, the user experience is so much better. But that, that's, that's always the case, right? Right. But that's always the case. So it's a compromise, right? Do you, where do you, where is it actually okay for, for you to sacrifice a bit on? like security, but making it really easy to use and where is it not? So perhaps an associated question is, will we ever, or do you guys think we'll ever move away from custodial solutions entirely or will we always have custodial services um, uh, as a, a reasonably large portion, maybe not over 50%, but a large portion of wallets? Definitely. I think we'll always have it. I think there's always going to be a mix. Yeah. There's always going to be a mix because custody in and of itself is hard. And when we go and say everything is hard to use, that kind of stems from the custody part. If you break it down at the very basic level, saying write down 24 words and keep them safe, that's just hard. That's not really normal for most people to yeah. digest. And for a small amount of money, like if you're buying coffee, you, if it's fine for a custodial service. I mean, you have like your Starbucks card where you actually trust that they're not going to steal your money, right? You have $25 on it just to make it easy to buy coffee. Yeah. I think you always, you always have that. And I personally, I think like lightning custodial lightning wallets is fine. You're not going to put a lot of money on the lightning wallet. Like you'll move coins from your non-custodial like on-chain wallet to your custodial lightning wallet just for, for payments. I think that's a fine like compromise, but, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll see some fun demos as well at uh, MCC next year. So we'll have like a lightning day and hopefully we'll see some cool stuff there. It's going to all be about Litecoin and Monero, right? MCC 2020. And Tari. We're still trying to get sell tickets, guys. Come on. And we, we're going to have no Blockstream there at all. <laughs> Unless Blockstream <laughs> buys our title sponsorship for half a million dollars. Yeah. Done. It's the new price. <laughs> $1 million. <laughs> Yeah, you you even have a cat to do that. We'll get the new the new fake Toshi to sponsor us. He has a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, he does. One million dollars. Two hundred fifty thousand coins. <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> wait, wait. Going back to the original question, uh, I think uh, the biggest hurdle is privacy. And even if we don't have it at the base layer, there's a lot of stuff that we can do outside of the base layer. So if every wallet is doing a coin join, 
that basically would mean we kind of have de facto privacy in it. Yes. You think CoinJoin will get to a, a point where it's actually very easy to use and everyone will use it? I think it's more likely than having it implemented at base layer. Sure. Or easier. But how you see it? So every every transaction is a coin join. Yeah. Okay. But without with like clear amounts, coin join is not that useful, right? Unless you like split up into like different the the denominations. Yeah. And that's going to be very costly if you take all your money and do that. Because like the fees, the yeah. fees, the fees will be high, right? So everyone's fighting for that blockchain space. Yeah. So doing a coin transaction that takes up like 10 times the size of a regular transaction for you is not going to be cost effective. But like Lightning would help with, with privacy, secondary solutions. Yes. I think it's going to be a mix of both. And last question of today. Um, it's actually, so it's, there are two questions which are kind of similar, so we're just taking them together. How many Bitcoin should the average person reasonably own? And are you members of the club 6.15? Which is a meme. 6.15 BTC should be enough to buy you everything. How did that even, like, what's the reasoning for 6.15? I honestly don't know. It's a random number, and uh, the guy just went with it, and now it's a thing. And, and he got a tattoo or something, no? Don't know, but it's just a thing now. He had to make it work, otherwise his tattoo would be stupid. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So, what, what what's a reasonable amount that people should own? That, that's like I say, ten percent of your wealth. Okay, that that's actually a good answer. That's what I've been telling people. I mean, it, it's a question I get a lot, and then like it, it depends from person to person, right? So it's it's difficult to answer. Yeah, totally depends. I don't think there is a right answer. Yeah. Also, it depends on if you if you're risk averse or not. I mean, are you young? Are you old? Like there's so there's so many variables. Depends on the on the individual. I'm young. You guys are old. Wow, I see how this is. That's ageist. At least we know who the acquaintance is now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the acquaintance was inside of him all along. <laughs> but back on on topic, I don't think there's a right answer. It's kind of like asking how much gold should everyone own. It just depends on if you want to keep your money in some form or another and it depends on what your situation is but i don't i think it's a good goal to have some bitcoin but there's no set number yeah and it, like like regardless of, it's like how risk, risk averse you are well, the interesting thing for me is i'm a trader so i take a lot of risks there but other than that i i almost never take any risks like i don't i don't gamble i was in vegas and i didn't even gamble i thought you did the the, the picture of me yeah the picture of me with that uh Slot machine was fake. I just pretended to gamble. You're such a good. You're such a good person. I am. I'm an angel, basically. You're an angel wow. investor, right? I am. Wow, that's it. That's a good one. Wow. Yeah, it's getting late. Yeah. So um, it depends on the situation. I, I like I like Charlie's answer. Ten percent of your wealth. That's a reasonable amount. If you're rich. <laughs> What's if you're what? If you're rich, that's a reasonable amount if you're rich. Well, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, right? 10% is 10%. So I, I tell people just like if, you're, if you want to take more risk, then invest more, right? But 10% is the reason why like I tell people if Bitcoin goes up 10 times like pretty easily. So if it goes up 10 times, you double your wealth. 
if it goes to zero, you only lost 10% of your, of your wealth, which is a reasonable risk to take. Um, but if you're, yeah, if you want to take more risk or more. Okay. Well, one more interesting thing about this actually is, uh, did you see the, the threat by Ragnar? Um, he, he's been talking a lot about poor people in Bitcoin. So that poor people cannot really save and that Bitcoin is not really for them. And I actually agree that Bitcoin is not really for them. Since if you need like, if you need all your money to pay rent, to pay bills, to pay for food, um, and you cannot save anything, then you really shouldn't be using Bitcoin at all at the moment, I guess. Well, I, unfortunately you can't, right? Yeah. I, I had a thread on that too. Uh, a long time ago, what the, what's that guy's name again? That weird guy, Rick Falk something. Rick Falka, Falka Falk. Yeah, something. Falcon. Yeah. So he 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 was saying we need to low. This was back during the scaling wars. He was saying we need to lower fees because the poor can't afford to use Bitcoin. And then I said Bitcoin is not for people that live on less than two dollars a day. And that became a huge meme. That that was a meme, yeah. Yeah, Roger amplified that and said, I hate four people, but it's just a simple fact. Like if it's echoing what Regnar is saying, that if you're living on like $2 a day, that's like you know, 60 bucks a month, you probably have other things to worry about. And at that time, transaction fees were 25 cents to 50 cents. So how could you possibly use it like on a daily basis if transaction fees are a, a quarter or half your income for that day. I think the, the other thing that, that maybe people sometimes don't realize when they're talking about this is that um, using Bitcoin, if, if, you, if it's a poor person, then using Bitcoin is expensive for them, even if the fees are, me, are zero. Uh, they have to have a phone capable of doing that, um, and they might not own a smartphone. They have to have uh, internet access and data um, on that device. Um, and then again, even if the fees are meaningless, their baseline is cash, which requires no internet connection, um, requires no data and has zero fees. Yeah, pretty much. And you have to secure it too. Like, are they going to have a, a metal backup or did they write it on paper or did they even back it up? And if their phone breaks, are they SOL? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there, there is a certainly, uh, the potential for systems to be built on top of Bitcoin um, in future, like Lightning and even custodial systems um, that are zero fees, that are built for banking the un or, you know banking the unbanked in a um, with without you know without an actual bank. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely something that I think, given the proliferation of um, of uh, GSM internet access and smartphones is probably like five to ten years out. Yeah, I also mentioned that like uh, people that, that should can still buy small amounts, but then should do it um, on Lightning and probably use a custodial wallet, which is also not ideal. But the likely scenario will be someday in the future, the poor people will just use Lightning wallets, then earn Bitcoin and spend it on Lightning. So they wouldn't need to buy Bitcoin. Okay. And on that interesting thought, yeah. um, that will be the end of the show. So thank you for watching. And the next episode you will see we'll be wearing, probably most of us will be wearing different shirts. So we'll try. Bye. 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 Bye.